0: Hey, friends of the Enduring Churches podcast, Alan and Trent are back with you today, and we are finishing up our November series on building something. So, it began with a song, and uh, I don't know what it's going to go out with—is that a whimper? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we want to talk about building a Sunday school teacher, and you know, I've been blessed. I've been in a Sunday school class since the the first week I was born. So I've always been involved in Sunday school. I love Sunday school. I'm grateful for Sunday school, and uh, I love the book uh, that uh, that Doctor Ken Hemphill wrote. You know that we can revive the Sunday morning dinosaur. I still believe in it. So we're going to talk about that today.
1: Yeah, Alan, and and so this kind of this we had this thought of kind of like the build a bear uh, thing. You know, so we're building all these different things. But I was in St. Louis this week, and that. I found out is the world headquarters for build a bear warehouse. And so I was excited, you know, I was at the place and, uh, and so what's up we're going to do today is build a Sunday school teacher.
0: All right. Well, that's cool. So anyway, I I love this topic and this, this covers a lot of people in our churches. This really goes beyond, Just our typical audience. So pastors, please feel free to pass this along to your Sunday school leaders and your teachers and those who are helping pick these people. Because I think these things um, are some really good thoughts as far as what you're looking for when you're looking for um, a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader, whoever it is, that's going to be doing some teaching um, in your church. And I love that the very first thing that's on our list today is that they should have an outreach mindset. Because that's really what our mindset should always
1: be. Yeah, absolutely. Because Sunday school began as an outreach tool and should be the outreach arm of our churches. But a lot of churches don't view it that way. And that's unfortunate because it really can be, you know, that's the easier way to say, invite a friend, hey, come to my small group. It's less intimidating. Um, and it gives people a chance to ask some questions. And so I hope that most Sunday school teachers do have an outreach mindset and not just, Hey, I've got to teach this, you know, literature or whatever, but they actually view it as an opportunity.
0: Yeah. You know, I always heard it. Pray for the, um, empty chair, you know, think about the, who's not there, who you can invite, who you can draw in because in a smaller group. It's just easier um, to connect with people. It's easier to ask questions. It's easier to explore issues of faith for someone who's not involved in faith yet. So keep an outreach mindset there. I love that. That's so important. And then, um, you know, you've got to have a passion for your class. If you're going to be a teacher, you've got to be willing to really put the time into into the people.
1: Yeah, and so the the person teaching a, a small group or Sunday school class, whichever way you your church uses, um, they need to view themselves in the relationship as a minister. They are a minister to that small group of people. They are a shepherd to them, and so they they need to have look at them that way. The people in their classes, and so there's some three things that we can kind of you know break this down into um, for sure they have to have a love for those folks and that's going to be pretty obvious to the people in that class do they really does that person care about me personally or are they just trying to get through the lesson
0: yeah yeah so do they have a caring heart is that something that really engages when people come in they want to feel a connection You know, people come to churches and if they don't connect with the pastor, they're probably not going to stay in the church. The same is true in a class. If they don't connect with the teacher, they're probably not going to stay engaged in the class. And so a teacher's ability to connect with people emotionally as as well as through the lesson is really important. You need to pray for your people. You certainly need to not only love them, you need to pray for them and remember that you have a responsibility um, in teaching them. You know, the Bible tells us that when we teach, we're taking a heavy responsibility. So we need to be very serious about that role that we take when we have that opportunity. And you'd mentioned ministry, Trent. What do you think of when you think of a, a teacher as a minister?
1: Well, you know, I've had some really great Sunday school teachers and churches that I pastored. And those really great ones were those people that not only prayed for the, the people in his class, but they knew if that person was. In the hospital, or having surgery, or um, something going on family wise. And they would go and be with those people in the hospital, check on them, visit with them. Um, and, you know, as a pastor, I may not always know of who's in the hospital or if somebody's having surgery because some people are very private about that. Um, but usually a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader will know those things. It'll it'll come out in discussion in their class. And so a great teacher will go and spend time with them at the hospital and pass that word on to the pastor too.
0: Yeah, and I recognize that not every uh, teacher is maybe strong in this area. I know um, I have hosted some Sunday school seminars where we actually assign some of these roles to other people in the class who maybe are more gifted or have spiritual gifts in, in these areas. And I think that's okay but what happens i think many times is is that this responsibility does fall to the teacher and i think when we're looking in these roles um you got to make sure that that role is covered so i think even a teacher even if there's someone else who does it they've got to be willing to do it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and have a caring heart about it so the next one alan um is we i almost took this out of the list um the and the the thought is that this person has to have a is committed to the long haul in teaching you know they don't just start a class and leave it but they're committed to doing this like enduring churches right the reason we do this so they stick with it what do you think about that
0: yeah so 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 as you're listening to this Trent and I had had a list that was longer than eight we wanted to keep it down to eight and he looked at that one and goes oh let's just pull that out and i was like but i kind of like that one and so had <laughs> chance to talk about it i think that i think the reason it's important to leave it in is because if you're a teacher it's a calling i think if you're a teacher it's a gifting and i think that it deserves to be considered as as a long-haul ministry it's not something well I'll, i'm going to do it for six months I think when you really have a passion and a calling to do that, I think about some of the Sunday school teachers that I had when when they they would have been young adults. You know, they had kids um, who were my age. You know, as a kid in the church, some of them are still teaching Sunday school today.
1: Mm, that's I mean, that, awesome. That's
0: a long haul commitment, and uh, the the greatest teachers I've known did it for a long long period of time. So I I always want someone who they can't help but to teach because that's that's who they are. So are you committed to the long haul? If you really if you really believe that God has led you to teach a class, don't be surprised if it becomes a lifelong love and passion.
1: Alan, when I was putting together this list, I, I actually called and interviewed my dad um and thought about my grandfather who has passed, both of them we're amazing Sunday school teachers. Um, my dad still is a great Sunday school teacher, and um, you know, they—it's almost like they, they, like you said, they can't keep from teaching. They—they love it, and they love their their flock, their small group, and so they're gonna. You know, <laughs> my grandpa would always say to my grandma, "Well, you know, maybe this year I shouldn't teach," and she'd get on to him. It's like, have you talked to God about this? And my grandpa, he was a jokester. He would always say, yep, he said I can do whatever I want. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but yeah, he would always continue to teach. I mean, even till he was um, actually had to move to a nursing home, he taught Sunday school and did an amazing job.
0: Yeah, that's that long haul. I think that that's what happens with many, many of our great teachers. They just can't help it. it once it gets there. It's there, and it becomes something that that really becomes a passion. I think, and that kind of goes into over the time. You got to develop good study habits, and that's kind of our fourth uh, kind of item there. Trent, what are some of the study habits that you think are important?
1: I've I know that a lot of Sunday school teachers they don't really look at their material until Saturday night, or some even Sunday morning. And I, I got to tell you, you in order to make your class Um, And get all that they can out of the material, out of the passage of Scripture. You've got to spend a lot of more time studying it, and that means that you, you know, you have your own commentaries. I inherited my grandfather's set of commentaries that he used teaching Sunday school, and and so you need those resources just like a pastor does when he's studying Scripture to prepare for a sermon. So you you need to have tools to be able to study and it's got to be a week long you know reading through it again and again and looking up things
0: yeah there's a lot of commentaries out there that are not technical that are are, are just very helpful like the life application series um, it would be be one that's just really geared for people like sunday school teachers to help understand passages better and to study better you know, you have the thing, you know, not Saturday night. I'll be honest. Sometimes um, as pastor, I also taught a class and I would always be frustrated because I'd get to the end of my week and realize I would not put any real time into getting my Sunday school class ready. And I always felt bad and always felt guilty about it because I felt like I could have done more and should have done more. So I I kind of agree with that, you know, even though I I understand uh, I've been to seminary and I've studied a lot of these passages and everything. Um, It deserves more than just kind of being a a Saturday night type of thing that we really do need to delve into the passage and we need to need to get to know the passage. Because what happens if you don't um, is everything else kind of falls apart. The class kind of unravels. It becomes instead of um, someone can say something that that's not what the passage teaches and you don't have a way of countering that or, or understanding, well, that's really not what this is talking about. It becomes a doctrinal nightmare if we're not taking care of those things and you know one of the places where doctrine goes corrupt most quickly in churches can be in small group settings if we don't have good doctrine going on there and that that comes from from good study habits so it is really important um to make sure that we have good study habits it's also important that we develop our teaching skills and that we learn how to teach Trent, you and I are still trying to learn to preach, even though we're not even pastors technically. Um, right, right. We're we're still trying to get better at that skill. So, please understand this: um, if you're a teacher, we're not telling you you don't know how to teach, but we should always be looking to hone our skills and develop our skills.
1: Right, and I think these two go together. This having developing our teaching skills does go with the stu- have good having good study habits. Uh, because if just like Alan said, somebody could come up with something that's often left field and we wouldn't have a way to counteract that. Sometimes people ask very pointed and good in depth questions in our small groups. And if we've not put in the effort to study and know where this is, where this passage is coming from, what was written to the original readers, uh, we don't know how to answer those questions. And so, um, We need to be willing to study, and so not only do we need to be prepared for other people's questions, but I think great leaders, great teachers are willing to ask great questions, and it's not just a lecture. Oh, my gosh, if I could, uh, you know, encourage Sunday school teachers, please don't be a lecturer. Um, That's so important. You need to be willing to ask questions and let people interact with you.
0: Yeah, you know, the problem I think we're running into, Trent, is that most people's experience with teaching as we get older, the only thing they see in in Bible teaching is their pastor preaching.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that becomes the model that they have for teaching. But teaching and preaching are completely different. Um, teaching is is meant to be interactive. When you look at how Jesus taught, he used stories, he used questions, questions. He engaged the person who asked the question and he let them have input. I think about the woman at the well, you know, and it, it's a, it's a teaching moment, but it's, it's, it's a dialogue. And and that's really what we're talking about. You want, you want your teaching to become kind of a, a dialogue. You control the dialogue. You, you control where it goes and the outcome just as Jesus controlled that conversation. Uh, but, you, you allow for them to have input and and that's so important you know Trent. i've been in a couple of classes recently where someone was reading the lesson and i just wanted to put my head in my arms and cry um because well the quarterly says this oh please 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 don't do that mm-hmm we need we need to be better than that we can learn the skills to do this if you had actually just follow what the quarterly says it would be a better process even if it's not asking the right questions at least it's asking questions so so at least do that part
1: yeah and oh man i i came across a sunday school teacher recently that he sits in his pickup until it's time exact time for the sunday school class to start he comes in he assigns people parts of the Sunday School literature to read, and he reads a little bit, and there's no dialogue, no questions, nothing. And it's just, oh my gosh, you just want to beat your head against the wall because you know the people in the class want to beat their head against the wall, uh, but they just get used to that. And so you don't want to be able to just be a lecturer, just you know reading from the literature. You need to know it well enough to to have a conversation about it. And that kind of leads us to the next part, which is it has to have the ability to be applicable to our lives. God's word is always applicable. And you know, we need to ask, you know, four questions of every, every passage. We need to ask, you know, what does it say to the original readers? What does it say to me? And then ask, so what? You know, what, what I do with that? And then, you know, what does that teach me about God? And so you need to be able to know those things about each passage that you teach as a Sunday school teacher, because it should be applicable.
0: Yeah. Th- now, this is where preaching and teaching have a commonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to apply. This is an overlooked part in many um, pastors' lives. The, some have a difficulty with application. Some teachers have difficulty with application. But what does it mean? How does it, how How am I going to take this and use this in my life? Because the Bible is applicable and it, and we need to learn to apply that. So you got to make it come to life. And we do that best by stories, you know, by, by illustration, by examples. And there are a, a number of ways to do that. Sometimes your teaching resource will help you with that. It may just get the ball turning. You know, recognize that when you you're interacting with resources, they're only as good as as good as those stories are. You know, when I was teaching youth in the late or the early 90s, we were using a literature that was written five years in advance, and so the the illustrations would be using you know examples of sports athletes who'd retired. But <laughs> mm-hmm. well, guess what? Eighth grade boys don't know they didn't know who retired five years ago i mean in the 90s it was you know it was larry who no they didn't know larry bird they didn't know magic johnson you know they didn't know kareem abdul jabbar they knew michael jordan Mm -hmm. i was going to use the basketball illustration i had to had to fix it i mean i had to make it relevant to their time and sometimes you'll get a hold of a resource that was written. You know, it might have been written twenty years ago. Hey, this is a good study. We're going to do that. You know, we're going to go through experiencing God. But you've got you've got to update the stories. You've got to make things apply to today, not apply to to yesterday. So this is a really important um, task in our teaching.
1: So, Alan, we've talked about study habits and teaching skills. Um, and and making the lesson applicable, but sometimes you get in a class and you've got one person that loves to dominate the conversation, and so what do you do about that?
0: Well, you um you spike their you spike their punch with something that gives them <laughs> guidance. Now, you you have to develop the right kind of teaching people skills. You know, there's the people skills we talked about where you have a passion for the class, but then there's the people skills where you learn to guide the conversation. And, you know, the the simplest thing is that when you ask questions, if you know your class well enough, ask people directly, Mm -hmm. you know, get people involved. If you're going to ask open, hey, who will read this passage? And you always know it's going to be the same person. Then. You know, come with a note card and pass those out and say, hey, would you read this one for me? Would you read this one for me? And you just you have to learn to, to do the little things that, that guide that conversation. Um, you also have your people who will t- take they'll take over your prayer requests. You know, they may not mention a thing during the Bible study, but you get to prayer requests and they'll take 20 minutes to explain one prayer request. You've got to learn to guide those conversations so that they don't derail your class so you know it's just learning to develop those skills and there's there's books that have been written over the subtleties of guiding these conversations
1: yeah i'm so glad you mentioned you know you can ask other people um, to instead of just making a cattle call okay who will do this and that same person is going to do it every time but there are some people that they, they need to develop, they need to be disciplined, d- discipled, they need to learn to read scripture, they need to learn to pray, they need to learn to, you know, share. So you ask them, and you ask them with small things to begin with, and over time, you know, you get other people involved in your class, and your class will be way more interesting than just one person taking over, so... Um, You've got to develop some people skills to go along with your teaching skills. And then, um, lastly, um, you know, every teacher, every good teacher, every good leader is still has areas to work on. Uh, Alan and I, Alan mentioned we're still working on these things as, you know, because we both still preach a lot. um, And so we need to continue to work on some skills. But every good teacher needs to have the ability to accept constructive criticism. So when you hear that, Alan, what comes to mind?
0: Well, I think the ability to let someone tell you you're not connecting.
1: Mm -hmm. The
0: the ability to let someone say uh, to you that you're dry or that it appears that you've not been putting in your time and study. Um, But the ability to help you be better. You know, I remember a time in my life, Trent, where I probably wasn't as sharp as I needed to be spiritually. Um, I was a young man, I was still in college, and I had a friend who um, tried to kind of call me out for that. And I really didn't listen. And to this day, I've wanted to say just thank you for caring enough to do that. And I wish I had listened sooner and Mm -hmm. saved my heartache along the way learning to accept criticism, especially constructively um, makes us better. Um, we, we all need to hear it from time to time. I'm grateful for the people in my life who, who have said Alan, you're you've got a blind spot here or Alan, you're not doing all that you could do here And so accepting that can make us certainly better.
1: And so the opposite of that is usually people that get very defensive, Uh, When somebody mentions, hey, this is not good or, hey, we need to work on this, people who are not growing as leaders, not growing as teachers will become very defensive. Uh, And so and it shows, man, To if especially if it's in front of other people in the class um, and that's sometimes we all get defensive when we're embarrassed. Right. Um, In front of a bunch of people. Uh, but don't be embarrassed. Just, you'll come across as a great leader if you're willing to say, oh man, I'm so glad you said that. And, and I hope you'll help me and pray for me as I learn to grow in this. I know I need to grow in this and I need to work on being a better teacher in this area. So please pray for me and and continue to ask me how I'm doing about that. And people will love that. Your, your class will Really eat that up because they recognize that you care okay. enough to be willing to grow.
0: Yeah, so that's what we want to do. Learn to accept the criticism and invite it. One of the best things you can do is is to be honest and ask people for some honest input into your life. People you trust and if you really trust them, they will find, be helpful to you and you will find their criticism helpful so there's eight things Trent um you know have an outreach mindset has a passion for the class has committed to the long haul has good study study habits has teaching skills has the ability to apply has has people skills and has the ability to accept constructive criticism so there we go a Mm -hmm. list of eight things we have built a lot in the month of November
1: yeah and I I just want to say as we end this one today that Please, if you are a Sunday school teacher, small group leader, um, take your position seriously because our small groups and Sunday school teachers, Sunday school classes can make or break our churches and they should be the outreach arm. And so we're praying today for you as Sunday school teacher, small group leader. We want you to be great. We want you to endure because we want your church to endure too.
0: So, Trent, this has been a fun month. I'm grateful that we got to build all these things together. And uh, we look forward to the month of December and, and all that's that in store as we kind of move into a holiday season. But, Trent, I'm grateful for you um, as we kind of think through this time of, of Thanksgiving, thankful for our friendship, thankful that we get to do this together. And we want to say to all our listeners, we're thankful for you. Thanks that you take time to listen to the Enduring Churches podcast. You mean the world to us. Um, You give us a reason to keep doing this. And uh, we look forward to, to the next episodes and look forward to having you join us on the Enduring Churches podcast. Thanks. Have a great week.